I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Boom, we're on. And today's guest, we've got Toby Gutridge. How are you, brother? I'm good, actually. Yeah, I'm really good. Good, uh, mate. Excited. Excited to do this. Listen, great to have you on. Mad story. UK Special Forces, you were a Marine. Get shot right through the neck. Paralyzed you from the neck down. But in a coma for three months. Kind of fighting for your life. But now you're here still fighting to kick on and, and change the game and make things happen, like take my heart off to you inspirational you've got a new book coming out as well which people can get in pre-sale never will i die we'll leave the link in the description first and foremost brother how are you i'm good yeah uh i'm all right yeah it's been a it's been a journey i'm not gonna lie uh from start to finish um but uh i'm just happy to be here and um Happy to tell my story, I guess, and hopefully it'll help some people out there and hopefully some, yeah, someone will get something from this and that's that's why I'm doing this. I believe so. I believe this is what these conversations are about because we all love to moan and complain and the reality is a lot of people haven't got much to complain about but they just choose it because they like a fucking moan, I guess, but... It's like it's human nature, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, but before we get to the nitty gritty, I always go back to the start of my guests, where you grew up and how it all began. Uh, yeah, geez. Um, so I was born in South Africa um, back in the 80s. Um, and South Africa was a different country back then. Um, apartheid was still going on. Um, so I was still quite young, so I didn't quite understand it all. But um, it was a very different dynamic. Uh, but South Africa was a tough place to grow up. Um, it just is, you know, the people out there. It's quite a strict upbringing. It's quite old school. Do you know what I mean? Um, they don't. Yeah, there's none of that uh, back chatting and and trying to you know disrespecting your elders. It's 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 yeah. It's quite 
a different upbringing to I would say to today. But um, I loved it. I loved it because you also had all the uh, outside, outdoors, loads of sport. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good childhood. Um, but for me, things really started to change when I was about ten years old. My parents. Um, they've been divorced for a long time. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so my mom decided to try and immigrate to America and, uh, yeah, so me and my brother and my two sisters were dragged along with us and we ended up immigrating to California where I spent a year, uh, going to school there uh, and learning what it's like to be a kid in California. And that, that, that adds different challenges because it's very, it's very superficial and it's all about the image. It's all about the look in California. And yeah, you need to, you need to be pretty tough skinned, especially if you're the new kid, you know, you get picked on quite a lot, you get, uh, well, yeah, they try and bully you a lot and that because you're the new kid and you're the foreign kid and you speak differently. But I learned a lot um, and I learned how to stand on my own two feet from a young age. Um, and then, then from there, um, uh, things didn't really go well with my with the whole immigration thing. So my parents decided, or my mom, sorry, um, decided to move to England. So we immigrated from California to England, and I ended up spending a year here in school, and it was the, the same thing over again. But um, this time we were pretty uh, worse off because... I think things didn't go very well in America. So we, we came to England thinking we'd make a better life for ourselves, but we didn't have much. Um, so we were on a council estate and my mom was on benefits. She had four kids. Um, and yeah, it was pretty tough. We went to a pretty rough school. And again, I was the new kid. And had to put up with that kind of... Oh, you know, stand up in front of class. It's the, everyone take the piss out of him, blah, blah, blah. And you just learn, yeah, you just learn to um, believe in yourself. You learn to just stand up to it. Um, so from a young age, yeah, I learned, I learned a lot of life skills that I suppose a lot of 12, 13-year-olds don't learn until later on in life. How much does that affect you, moving around and getting it, bullied? It messed me up, I'm not going to lie. It really messed me up. Um, even to this day, I I don't like staying in one place for too long. Why you know, is that? I, I don't know, something just ingrained in me that I don't get close to people. I don't like to get close to people. Um, I've always been a bit of a loner. It's had this effect on me that I feel safer in my own company. I feel safer on my own. Um, and if anything goes wrong, it's down to me. Um, and it, it's a trust thing maybe as well. It's a bit of a trust thing, you know. Um, I really find it hard to trust others. So, yeah, uh, the problem is then after that, 
things didn't go well in the in England. So then I ended up immigrating back to South Africa. So I ended up going back to South Africa, going to a new school again, and having to go through the whole thing again. You know, um, so I just learned to survive on my own. Um, and throughout this whole process, uh, you, you know, as a kid, you act up. You, you, I started playing up and getting into a lot of trouble as a kid. Um, and then when I got back to South Africa, I was starting to get a bit older now and getting towards my mid-teens. And that's when I just started getting into a lot of trouble. And I mean, a lot of trouble with the police. Um, and by this stage, you know, my mom was really, really struggling. Um, yeah, she was really struggling. So she started, you know, getting on the on the beer, on the drink quite a lot. And um, we were sort of just left to our own devices. And I just didn't have someone, I guess, guiding me through that tough time in my life. Mm -hmm. So I just ended up doing a lot of bad shits and getting into bad crowds, hanging around with some dodgy, dodgy people, um, drugs, crime. Uh, I got arrested a few times and... Uh, yeah, I just wasn't wasn't going down a good path, um, to put it mildly. Um, sounds like a bit of a cliche, but it's yeah, it's exactly what happened, you know. You say you you're just fighting on your own. Do you feel as if you've got what you're battling now is the same what you were battling as a kid? Obviously, it's different, but you know what I mean, battling it alone. Yeah, yeah, I do. To bring back all those old emotions from back um, in the day. It does. A lot of the time when you're injured like this, you feel very alone. Yeah, you feel super alone. Um, and you feel like no one can relate to what you're going through. Like it's just hard. Even when you talk about it and you try and describe what it's like, it's it's really hard. It is, it is really hard. Um, but uh, so I guess in a way in my childhood, put me in good stead for this, for this injury, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I did, I did start to become a real loner. Um, and it just became routine to move around and not stick in one place for too long. Um, yeah, which is why I, was, I must've been about 18, 19 when I decided enough's enough, I need to, do something with my life. Otherwise, I just felt like I was just going nowhere, and I didn't. I didn't feel like I had any purpose, and I was either going to end up dead or in jail. Um, so I decided. I don't know really know why. I just decided. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna go and join the Marines. So I. I came back to the UK. Um, I was working in a bar in South Africa and just decided I'll save up, get a plane ticket, and that's me. Cheers, I'm gone, you know. Um, and that and that's when I came over and uh, joined the Marines. What was it like that day? And you walked through the front doors. What the front doors? Marines in, in the Marines. Um, were you nervous? Were you scared? Or were you excited of a new challenge and maybe getting some friends and building bond with people? Or were you scared as potentially could get bullied again? I definitely wasn't scared of being bullied again. Like that, I knew how to handle. Like that's, do you know what I mean? You, Did you start fighting back? 
yeah, that 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 I knew how to deal with that. Um, I, I was more excited to be honest because I felt like I had all this potential to give. I just wasn't given the right opportunity, and I think the Marines did that for me. Had all this potential and all this uh, built-up energy, and I just needed to to channel it in the right way. If it, yeah, and I felt. Was something like the Marines was just calling me. I felt like this is right. This is the right fit. So that first day, I'll never forget it. Sure, I was nervous. I was, you know, I was. I'd heard all the rumors about how tough it was and how tough they were on the recruits. I thought, yeah, okay. So I was nervous, but at the same time, really excited. Um, because I just felt like I had turned a new chapter or turned a new page in my life, you know. Um, and, yeah, my, my suspicions were right. I actually turned out to be pretty damn good. Um, yeah, and I actually did really well. I excelled uh, through training. I did really well. Found it tough. It was tough. What was the training like? Yeah, it was brutal. Um, it, it, yeah, it, was, it taught me how to be uh, more of a man, you know. Uh, you didn't have anyone to rely on. It was just yourself. And um, yeah, it was brutal. There was, um, you know, you got the whole no sleeping and people shouting at you and telling you, you know, you're not good enough for this. But it's all mind games, um, and that's just a test to see if you have what it takes. You're not just going to crack at the first sign of someone telling you that you're not good enough. You know, they want to see you, that you believe in yourself. How many people were in your regiment? Uh, so in my troop, I started off with 64 uh, recruits in training, 64 recruits, and um, at the end of it, only 12 of us, yeah, 12 of us made it. Um, How does that make you feel when you've achieved something? Was that the first time you'd ever really accomplished anything? Yeah, that was the first time I'd really accomplished anything that I was actually proud of. Yeah. Yeah, actually, and I remember it. I was, I, I was so immensely proud, actually. You know, when I got my Green Beret, um, I can honestly say that's one of the proudest moments of my life. Um, I was knackered and my body was just battered, but there was just this really good feeling inside, you know, and, um, yeah, it was a phenomenal. I, I felt like I'd found my place in the world, you know, um, I'd made a great group of friends, um, and I'm still friends with them today. Uh, bearing in mind, this is now going on 15, 16, 16 years. 16 years ago or something like that um so yeah was that the first time you'd felt as if you'd had a family 100 percent. that's the first time i felt yeah this is where i belong and this is my family these are my brothers you know they've got my back 100 percent um it's just when you, you you find your groove you know when you find your groove in life and your flow yeah, um, 
it was a great time in my life, honestly. Um, and then when I got to my first unit and just meeting more guys in the same same mindsets and and the same sort of character, it was it was just great, you know. You know, the, all the things you were into, they were into, and you know. We'd go out and get absolutely smashed on the town and <laughs> cause trouble and, you know, do all that stuff. Um, as you do when you're a 20 year old Marine. Um, yeah, it was really, it was a really good time. Uh, and then, yeah, I, uh, started getting prepped for my first tour of Afghan, of Afghanistan. Uh, cause I, I went to, a, um, a unit called 40 Commando, which is based in Taunton. And they were getting ready to go straight out to Af Afghanistan in 2006. So, um, yeah, I was getting ready for that. And um, I knew that was going to be a big challenge. I really did. But, uh, again, I was excited for it. What sort of stuff were you doing now? Uh, so it's, it's, it's called pre-deployment training. Uh, and it's just getting you really prepped in terms of you get all your kit for that's specifically for Afghanistan and you start um, doing little exercises and learning what the ground is like out there and, and how to set up your, you know, your combat gear um, and start practicing patrolling. Um, and you're being trained by staff who've just come back from from a tour in afghan so they know what's to be well what's coming and what, what trying to teach you what to expect um and what to look out for and things like that so yeah yeah it was good was there um, much conflict there well when we went out yeah it was really in quite a quite a bad period i think uh i mean it was all bad don't get me wrong but there was, yeah, that, that sort of era just seemed to be extremely bad. Um, that whole Hellman Sangin area was just a nightmare for IEDs. Um, What's that? Like improvised explosive devices um, that they were setting up, and they they automatically detonate. You can't see them. They, you know, bury them in the ground or. Um, hide them in walls and stuff like that so as soon as you trip them that's a you know boom big big explosion yeah you know can kill or maim lots of lots of guys uh and that that's what was happening you know uh there was anti-personnel mines and things like that and then you were getting into the occasional scrap with them one-to-one -one, uh so yeah, it was it was pretty intense. I'm not gonna lie. Um, and then we 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 were s s um, stationed at these Ford out. Uh, let me get this right. Ford or Fobs Ford outpost bases, um, and they just had nothing. They were just four compound walls, mud walls, and we were sleeping on the floor half the time, eating 24-hour rations and having to go out on 24-hour patrols. Um, and that just was not only exhausting, but psychologically exhausting because mm. you just never knew when it was going to come. So a six-month tour really took it out of you, man. It really 
took it out of you. <laughs> so when you're making changes, you've joined the Marines, it's a new challenge, you've passed, you're feeling high yeah. on life, yeah. but then the shit hits the fan, then then it becomes real. That Was there any moments you thought, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Or did it still times. feel right? Or did it just feel, because you were in battle in your own mind, it felt normal to be in battle outside also? But you felt sane? That's a good point, actually. James, I didn't think of that. Yeah, I really didn't think that because I was, I was struggling as a person. Um, yeah, and then now I was actually fighting, and I think that did, in a way, help because I had a lot of pent up aggression and anger, so it did help in that way. Um, but there was definitely that shit. This is real. This isn't the telly. This isn't watching, you know, movies or whatever. This is you in it now fighting for your life, you know, um, and trying to protect your, your mates ultimately, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, there was there was a lot of that. But there was a few times I remember where I'd come back after we'd been out on patrol and I'd just have to be alone and I'd sit there and, you know, it takes a while to come down. The adrenaline doesn't just subside. It takes a it takes a while for it to for you to process it. You know, it's it all happens so fast. It takes a while for your mind to catch up. And you, I'd sit there and yeah, there were there were some times where I thought, what the, what the fuck am I doing? This is maybe too much. But that was only half of me, you know, the other half of me was like, yeah, this is what I was born to do, you know. I was born to do this, I'm good at this, and I think I should use this to help other people, you know, try and do something good with this, you know, I'm here for a reason, and yeah, let's make the most of it. Um, yeah. And what will be, will be, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Obviously, when you the screams, the shoutings, the dead bodies, like how hard is it when you lose someone who's one Very of your hard. brothers? Yeah, that's that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to face. Uh, yeah, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to face. It almost doesn't seem real. That, and I, I don't want to sound cliche or whatever here, but it's it's that whole one minute they're there, next minute they're not. You know, and you kind of start asking yourself, where are they gone? Where are they gone? Or, or, how can someone be awake and alive and talking and everything and doing everything? And then the next minute, nothing, just nothing. You know, it's 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 a it's a, it's a mind fuck. Um, 
and and death is just yeah it it's not natural you know mm -hmm. i mean it is natural everyone dies but it's just not natural when you have to face it so quickly you know um yeah well it's not it's not a humane thing it should it's it not it's not at be all. happening yeah. at all in my own opinion but mm -hmm. I've never, I've interviewed people who were in the conflict in Northern Ireland, Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. I've interviewed many guys in the SAS, yeah. SBS. Like, I've never, like, maybe Glasgow, I've, there's never been a war zone there. Like, if the people were trying to attack Glasgow, listen, I'd be the first one to grab a rifle and try you and protect would, my loved ones. But yeah. it's hard to say that the war shouldn't exist in a genuine, but it's, it's human beings killing other human beings. That, that's why everyone who's been served in the army, when I speak to them, you can feel their fucking pain. You can see their pain and they, they see the battles every day to try and keep on and keep on going. I had big Craig Harrison, the sniper, but every day he's, he's talking about putting guns in his mouth and trying to kill himself and he can't he can't do it, but yeah. it's the noise in here, the conflict and the madness yeah. up here. Like, when, did you, when did you start to feel it was taking its toll? Or did you just block it out? You know, I just blocked it out and I was quite young, so I don't think I was quite aware of what the damage it was doing because I was actually very young still. You know, I was still 20. I was only 21. Still a kid. I said, yeah. Um, I didn't know my ass from Alba. Um, I just thought I was a rock star, if I'm honest. And um, it was only, yeah, after that... After my time in the Marines, when I um, I sort of wanted to advance my career in the military um, and wanted to step it up, it was only after that I started to realize the implications of what was going on. Um, and that's when I, um, um, I put myself forward for um, one of our... UKSF special military units and I was told I was too young um, and didn't have enough experience but me being me was like what nah not having that uh, watch me so uh, I spoke to a couple of guys who were serving in these units and, and they were like yeah alright um, let's let's see what happens and and I was I was yeah I was put forward for it um, and I, I I went for it yeah I went for what we call UK SF selection yeah special forces um, like the elite the yeah. elite the best of yeah, the best yeah. it's just it's really like putting it up a notch you know and um, how old were you twenty three. Is this to constantly prove to yourself that you can push through the pain? Yeah, it's because of that. I, I had a lot of suffering inside me and I hadn't expelled a lot of demons from my childhood and, and from my... Yeah, I just... And I had this excessive desire to try and always push the boundaries to prove to myself <clears throat> that I was worthy. You know, I had this real... To who? I want to say everyone, you know. I just want to say everyone. Um, everyone who's ever challenged me or thought I wasn't worthwhile or thought I was just a waster or some sort of no good, not going to uh, sort of amount to anything. 
um, and even myself, you know, just to prove to myself, I wanted to prove to myself that I could achieve, you know. I really wanted to see where my limits were. I really wanted to see what I, yeah, how far can I take it. Did you feel constant pressure on yourself to try and do that? So much pressure to the point where I just couldn't sleep. Um, You know, my mind was constantly ticking going, you know, what's next? What's next? You're not good enough. You got to try harder. You got to try harder. Look at what they're doing. Look how much they've achieved. And it, it still goes on to this day. I do it all day. Well, most days. You know, I'm always uh, just putting this self-inflicted pressure, pressure on myself, um, which sucks, but I've also achieved a lot from it. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is exhausting. It's draining. It is exhausting. Um, and I think now that I'm injured, actually, it's even worse because now I feel like I'm sort of, I wasn't going to say subhuman, but just less than everyone else. Because Did you feel I'm invincible? Disabled. Um, say that again. Did you feel invincible at some points? Oh, yeah, at the time, yeah. Uh, I was 23. I just passed selection, um, which, you know, there's maybe a handful of people in this world that can do that. Um, you know, I was on a, yeah, I was on a really good wage. I was doing a job. I mean, it was all that James Bond stuff. I thought, I thought I was, you know, really, yeah, you know, um, just, I thought, yeah, I thought I was invincible. Um, and I thought I was, I just thought every, my life was taking shape and everything was coming together. It really was. I thought everything was coming together. And um, yeah, it was, it was, again, a really good time in my life after I passed selection. And I got to my unit and you know, I was welcomed with open arms. Um, and this time, now you're playing with the big boys, you know. It's not like the military or the Marines or the Army where you've got a sergeant or someone telling you what to do. It's, you know, now it's all responsibilities on you. You have to be an adult and do what's expected of you without someone breathing down your neck and telling you what to do. You have to be a thinking soldier. You have to now really step it up. Um, and I loved it yeah was that one of the attractions to f- getting special missions and yeah. like you say the James yeah, exactly. Bond kind of feel exactly. like you're accomplishing something in life you're doing the, the, the darkest and maddest stuff where you feel that you're, you are battling your demons especially try to battle with the young kid probably that's inside you battling every day with these bullying thoughts years later 20 years later 30 mm-hmm. years later mm-hmm. you're still battling those same thoughts where you were from a kid. So when you're doing that James Bond stuff and fucking firing guns and blowing up things and has that become an adrenaline rush where it takes you away from the pain of being a kid? Yeah. 
Yeah. Just blocks it out. It blocks it out completely. Um, you can focus on everything else, but, you know, the trauma and the, the upset um, feelings inside that I was, yeah, I was dealing with. I was trying to, obviously on some level, dealing with it. But, yeah, I... Uh, Yeah, I was on my own. Um, I had no responsibilities. I had no one else to think about. Just me. Just me, you know. Um, so it was, it, was, it was good. It was a good time in my life. Um, and going on all these, yeah, different exercises and different jobs and things like that. It was, it was, it was a good time. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't all good times. Um, some of it was quite horrible and having to do horrible stuff. Um, I was just able to handle it, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was just able to handle it. See, see, at that young age, though, would you never come forward and tell people how you were feeling? Because as men, you know yourself, we don't really talk about shit because we, we bottle everything up. We're very good at that. We yeah, hide a lot of shit. Yeah. But was there ever a time you thought, was there ever anybody in place that could maybe you speak to about that? Because mental health wasn't really big then. We talked no, about 15 no, years it ago. wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Nobody gave a fuck about men. And that's no. a sad thing that like, we do struggle. Yeah, and, and especially in the military, it's there's like a stigma around it. Pride thing as well, yeah, isn't it's it? Yeah, it's pride. And, and also, I don't want to say it's frowned upon in the military, but there is this kind of stigma around oh, you must be like a kind of weak or one of the weak ones. Um, so that's why people keep it to themselves. And growing up in South Africa, there's also a lot of that culture as well of, oh, you got to be tough. You know, you know, you got to be mentally tough and all this male macho bravado culture attitude. So, yeah, that, I was going through that. Um and I mean, there were times when I saw cracks, um, and especially when I was out drinking or doing some of that, I could see the cracks. Because um, that's when, I don't know, something happens to you, you just open up. And I remember distinctly one time um, getting into a scrap in a club or outside the club in Glasgow, and uh, some, I, some guy was. Trying to, he was accusing me that I was putting on an accent and that I wasn't really South African and I was just trying to pick up chicks. And, you know, I was trying to get all the girls by trying to be different, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And um, I just, something flicked inside me. I lost my shit. I really lost my shit. And um, before I knew it, I had this bloke. He was in a headlock and I had him and I... I just, there was this feeling of he was completely helpless, completely helpless. And I could have honestly ended his life right then and there. And something just came over me at that split second and I just stopped and it was almost like I just woke up. And I was like, oh, what the fuck am I doing? Um, 
because I, I, I thought I was going to either snap his neck or choke him out. Um, anyway, eventually I kind of came to my senses and I just was like, I started apologising, apologising. I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, and I actually started crying. I broke down and started crying and... Um, Yeah, that was one of the one of the moments when I realized, wow, it is taking its toll. It really is taking its toll, and uh, it has had like an everlasting effect on me. But that was also a moment where I realized <clears throat> things have happened in my life, and I've seen things in that that I can't take back. Um, I just need to now learn to deal with it and learn to work with it and realize the trigger points and um, and try and understand it, mental health and, and what it's done to me. <clears throat> so, yeah. And, and this is all before my injury, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it just gets worse and worse as as it goes on. But yeah, what was the training like for the special forces to get selected? It's grueling. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's designed to be tough. It is tough. Uh, they put you through your paces, and they want to see all aspects of 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 what you got. They want to see that your your discipline is 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 very good. They want to see that you can act under extreme pressure. They want to see you've got the the physical ability um, and that you can think under quite quite strenuous circumstances. Um, so it was, it, yeah, there was a lot going on there um, and they put you through your paces and, and they, they know what they're doing. And they'll pick up if you if you're not ready or if um, if you're not suited. Uh, but I, I I was yeah, um, and I I got through it. So I was um, I don't I don't want to say lucky because I worked hard and I trained hard for it. Um, <clears throat> so it was it was a good um, good experience and it taught me a lot. Yeah. How many started that? <clears throat> And how many finished? Uh, uh, let me see. Um, I probably couldn't give you an exact figure, but it was it was quite a lot. I'd say it, it was over the on my course probably close close to two hundred blokes, and by the by the end of it. Mm, there was about less than ten of us. What makes that? Mm. What makes somebody to become elite? What's that? <laughs> what's that ingredient? That one ingredient? Obviously, never quit. But I actually believe the Scottish have got a high percentage of they passing. Do. Yeah, yeah, it's one, loads. I think it's the highest actually. Yeah, yeah, I think it's we, loads. We're a little fucking loopy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. That's why. But yeah. what do you think is the special ingredient that somebody can go elite where to take it to another level? Of trying to <clears throat> be the best, but for two hundred to to start and then only yeah, under yeah, ten yeah. to finish, it just shows you the high percentage of people who do quit. But what do you think is that ingredient <clears throat> that 
makes you different from the rest? I think there's a there's not one ingredient, and this is why UKSF is really good. Is because you you need to have a few ingredients and then put them all together. Um, and but I mean the main one is I think you've got to have a bit of grit. You know you've got to have a real toughness about you. That. Um, no matter how bad it gets or how tough it gets, you're just going to keep pushing and pushing. Um, yeah, it's a real grit and determination. Um, how many? So a, lot, a lot of the stuff you can learn. Yeah. You know, how many weeks does it last? Uh, now, again, I couldn't give you an exact figure, but it's 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 just, it's quite a long long. It's a long selection process. Um, Was there any times you felt like quitting? Oh yeah, every day. Huh. Yeah, yeah, every day from day one. Um, yeah, there, there, there's no warm up to it or kind of. Um, there's no warm up to it. It's just yeah, straight into the deep end and sink or swim. This time, yeah, they're not like I said. They're not yeah. They're not there to train you through it. Yeah. There, there's a selection process. You either meet the criteria or you don't. You know. This isn't for kids coming through recruits, training in the army or the marines where they have to teach you basic training. This is, no, you're a soldier, you should know what to do now. Everything that you've been through the last few years, the battling, but is there part of you ever thinks you wish you would have quit? I get asked this quite a lot, obviously with what's happened. Um, But no, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't go back and say, I wouldn't go back and say, no, I'm not going to join. I'm not going to do it because I know what's going to happen. I always say, I always say, yeah, of course I'll do it again. Except this time when it comes to 10 seconds before I got shot in the neck, I'll just duck or I'll take one knee, you know. Um, but there's no, <clears throat> there's no part of me that says, Oh, I wish I'd never joined. Um, honestly, it was some of the best, yeah, best times of my life. Yeah, but with your character as well, I don't think you could have lived with that quit mentality because then you'd have felt like a failure and then you'd have been, exactly. you don't and know where you'd have ended up. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, and I think if I didn't join, it would have always scratched in the back of my mind. You know, oh, what, what if? What, what if uh, yeah, I wish I had joined. And I think that's probably worse. In, in some cases, I think that's quite worse, yeah. And, so yeah, but here we are today, you know. Yeah. So how long were you in the special forces for before you? Get Not shot? long. I wasn't in a long at all. Um, I did all my advanced training, and I did all my uh, courses and things like that. Uh, and then there's quite a quick turnaround, and 
I ended up going to Afghan back to Afghanistan quite quite quickly after I was badged. Um, so not long at all. Yeah, I can't say I was in very very long at all. And yeah, uh, that 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 bothers me a little bit. You know, um, I would have loved to have spent some more time, but uh, as it was, it yeah it just wasn't meant to be. But did you not get shot before as well in the, the arm or something? Yeah, I did. Where was uh, that? So I was on, an, um, <clears throat> on different op different operations, still in Afghanistan, and um, on this particular occasion, we were we were doing some um, we were doing some stuff where we were tracking some guys coming across the border, and um, they drove. They were coming across in cars, and they drove into some vehicles. Anyway, we. Uh, we had to make a split decision and get onto the ground quick if we were going to get these guys. And, uh, yeah, we just took the decision to go in. Um, problem with that was, yeah, we weren't very prepared. Uh, and this is the difference between, you know, SF soldiers and, and probably, you know, generic armed forces you get put in this kind of situation where you might not necessarily be as prepared as you want to be and you you just got to do it anyway and you just got to make it work so yeah anyway we uh we hit the ground we hit the ground running and as we yeah as we hit the ground um we just walked into kind of i wouldn't say it was an ambush or anything it was just they were all set up and we we weren't, and we were in open ground, and they were all in strategic firing positions from a compound, which is basically a building, uh, firing at us. And because we were out in the open, we just had no choice but to basically advance to contact, which is advance towards them, um, and try and take the initiative, and try and take the, take the initiative away from them. Because they obviously had the the um, what would you call it the upper hand in the battle in the fight, so yeah. Um, and as we were approaching them, I just felt this. Uh, well, I got hit in the arm, and I totally spun around and fell on the floor. But in the in the heat of it. I I just I thought oh I must have tripped over a rock or something you know I d I didn't didn't quite realize that what ha that's what happened um, I felt a bit of a sting almost like someone had just touched me with a like a piece of hot metal uh, more like a a beast thing or something like that but never thought anything of it. Um, just thought I tripped over some rocks as as I was, you know, advancing to contact. It was only after we'd gone to the compound, gone through it, um, done what we had to do, cleared the compound, and then I, I looked down and and I could see all this claret, all this blood um, pouring off my rifle, off my hand, you know, um, and I thought. Shit, oh shit! Uh, I must have been, yeah, maybe I did, maybe yeah, I must have been shot. 
Um, so the medics came over, cut my sleeve off, and yeah, lo and behold, there was just this perfect hole right through my shoulder. Um, and I could see where the, the entry wound was because the bullets go, uh, had gone through so fast. It was a 7.62 sniper rifle. And I know this because we'd cleared the compound and obviously the rifle was still there, if you know what I mean. Um, so I knew what kind of round it was and I looked and it had, it had burnt the, the edges of the entry wound and exit wound um, and the bruising was already starting to develop. Um, and then obviously there was pissing blood everywhere. Um, so yeah, I cut my sleeve off, got it all patched up at the, at the time, um, stopped the bleeding, put a tourniquet, tourniquet on, on the arm, stopped the bleeding. Um, and then we had to carry on fighting for a while because now that they knew we were there, other fighting age males had come to the area and we had to then carry on fighting. Um, so that was quite bad because I knew I was, I was in a difficult position because now I was becoming a, um, a weak point in our, in our chain because now blokes were having to look after me as well as carry on fighting. And that's, that's not a good position to be in. So I needed to get out of that fight pretty quick. Um, so as soon as there was a bit of a lull in the battle, yeah, they called in the helos and got me out of there ASAP and uh, sent me back to Camp Bastion and uh, that's where I got patched up. Um, they wanted me to stay overnight, but because I was quite relatively new in the squadron, I wanted to stay out. Um, so I went straight back to where we were camped and um, met, up with my, went up, met up with my squadron that night which uh, was probably in hindsight a stupid thing to do because, you know, I was, they were told, Tobes, you need to go and get some rest and have some downtime. And they were like, go back to the UK, sort your shit out, make sure your head's okay, and then come back out. Although knowing me, I was like, hell no. I'm, I'm good to go. You know, I'll be fine. Uh... But little did I know I was going to get shot, um, shot in the neck on on another op a few weeks later um, through the neck, which shattered my spinal cord and left me paralysed for life, breathing breathing on a machine. So see, when you get shot there, was could you have discharged yourself out of the full thing? Or because you've got that fight in you in constant battle, did you feel as if you earned like, some stripes, like you felt like, do you know what, I'm going to show how tough I am, being shot and then straight out fighting again the next day? No, no, not at all. No, no, no. I, what it was was because I was still relatively new in the squadron and I had all these experienced guys, I thought I can't show any weakness. I don't want to show any weakness. I, I don't want to go, you know, oh, yeah, I'll go home and get some R&R. And some downtime and, and I don't know, I just thought that would look bad, I guess. Um, and to be fair, like, 
it, it wasn't that bad. And I, I don't want to, I'm not saying, you know, being shot, being shot is bad. It just, you know, I was able to carry on. I mean, psychologically, probably, I probably should have. But yeah, I just, um, I don't know, I was so keen. I was, just, I was keen as mustard, you know. Um, to prove yourself. Yeah, just to prove myself. Um, it's that whole thing again. You know, growing try, up. Yeah, right. yeah, and just just trying to prove myself all the time. And um, yeah, so long, long and short of it was I spoke to my commanding officer and I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good to go and um, ended up staying, staying. Uh, and then, yeah, a couple of weeks, must have been about two, no, maybe a bit longer, but I don't know, a few weeks later, um, another operation, very different scenario. Um, this time, yeah, um, we were kicking in a door um, to assault a compound and um, The the enemy were sort of set up already because we couldn't get through the door, so we were we were making quite a big noise, and we weren't we weren't allowed to use our sort of um, normal methods of entry, and yeah, so we uh, we made quite a racket, and they knew we were coming, which is yeah, I guess just the way it goes sometimes. Anyway, as we got through the doors, yeah, they just opened fire on us and there was nowhere to go. And um, two of us got shot that uh, in that moment. Only problem is I got shot through the neck. Um, fluke, it was in the dark. It was complete dark. It was just, they, sh they just fired in, in our general direction. And again, again, high velocity, 7.62 round. Um, you know, fully automatic machine gun. That's going to do some damage. Um, and one round went through my neck and the second round ricocheted off my uh, Kevlar helmet, which would have killed me instantly. But uh, luckily, um, ricocheted off. And uh, yeah, I just slumped to the ground and um, there was lights, lights out, lights out for me. Um, Pretty horrendous stuff, just black, yeah, and then, yeah, just dropped into blackness, darkness, um, just you and your demons now, yeah, just you and your demons. Um, uh, I got Kazi backed out, um, back to one of the one of the American bases, one of the Yank bases. And um, it was just touch and go, you know. Um, I wasn't breathing properly. My heart rate was sporadic. Um, blood pressure was dropping, um, constantly having to resuscitate me. Uh, yeah, and then they put me into an induced coma and I woke up 
about four months later in Birmingham, Birmingham Neuro ITU or ICU in, yeah, in Birmingham. Um, didn't know, didn't know, didn't know what was going on. Um, obviously, cocktail of drugs going through me. Um, and I resorted back to my training uh, because the last thing I, I can remember is being in a firefight in Afghanistan and now all of a sudden I'm lying flat on my back, I can't move. I feel like I'm strapped down. I've got all these people with masks over me, bright lights. Um, so my initial reaction was that I'd been captured. Somehow they had captured me and that I was being interrogated and tortured um, with drugs, you know, they pump you full of drugs to try and, you know, try and make you talk and confuse you. So I just resorted back to my training, which was to don't say anything and, and um, Yeah, until you, you've got a firm grip of what's happening. Um, so that's where really where I was, yeah. I thought I was being tortured for quite a while after I woke up. I, I couldn't come to terms with it. Um, they, like they were trying to tell me, you know, no, you, you, you're not, that's not the situation. You're in Birmingham, you're, you've been injured and so on and so forth, but... Uh, I just didn't believe it. I thought it was all bullshit. I thought they were just playing mind games. And, um, they were actually telling me the truth. Yeah. <laughs> when when yeah. did that sink in? Uh, it, it took a while because I was in and out of the coma. So every time they told me, the the surgeons told me, look, this is the situation. Like My mind just couldn't accept it. Yeah, I couldn't accept it. And what would happen is I would actually just slip away back into a coma. Um, yeah, I would, um, my pupils would just dilate and I'd be gone. I'd be back into a coma. And then when I'd come to again, they'd have to then tell me again. So I was almost reliving it every time. Um, and I just, yeah, every time I just couldn't accept it, couldn't accept it, couldn't accept it. Um, and then eventually they got my, one of my, uh, senior ranking officers to come in and tell me this is the situation. You need to stand down Toby and, um, yeah, this is what has happened. And because he was a familiar face, then it started sinking. Um, yeah, that was the first time I went, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's probably the worst day of my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably one of the worst days of my life. But at the same time, I was so happy to be alive. If anything, I was just like, well, thank, thank, thank God I'm still, I'm still alive. That's got to be something, you know. Maybe we can salvage something out of this. But um, it was not good. It wasn't good. Wasn't good at all. Is that your character though to keep fighting? See when you, they kept telling you and then you slip back into a coma, is it part of you trying to 
waking up again and thinking it was just a bad dream. Yeah, and try and reboot the system and hopefully you wake up and it'll just be a bad dream or something. Um, but yeah, I was I was fighting, not only for my life, because at this point I was very still in super vulnerable stage. Um, yeah, I was still very, very ill, very sick. So I was still fighting for my life, but at the same time, just resisting everything and trying to fight for everything I had. Yeah, just literally trying to fight for everything I had. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Was there anybody by your side when you woke up? Uh, there was. My brother was there. My brother was, um, he'd flown over from South Africa. Um, my family, a few of my family had flown over, but by the time I'd woken up out of the coma there, they had to go back. Um, so it was just really my brother and, um, and then I had a couple of friends, old friends of mine that came over as well. Because, I mean, the long and short of it was no one thought I was going to survive. They thought, yeah, he's clinging on for dear life, but he's probably not going to survive. Um, you know, he's being kept alive by a machine. We don't know if he's completely brain damaged from lack of oxygen. We don't know anything, you know. So, yeah, people were flying in to, I guess, you know, be there in case the worst situation happened. Uh, so when I woke up there, there were a few people still there. And then I had a couple of my mates from my unit come and see me and a couple of my old mates from the Marines come and see me, and um, which, was, which was really nice. Yeah, it was actually really nice. Did your brother not have a decision whether to switch his life yeah. support machine off or keep it That's on? That's right. Um, my brother, before I woke up, the the... The prognosis was not good. You know, it was literally a 50-50. Uh, if we wake him up, he could have su had suffered such brain damage from oxygen starvation or trauma, you know, sprain swelling, um, that the damage would be so significant he'd pretty much be either um, so severely brain damaged he'd have no quality of life or he'd just be inert. And, you know, the body's going, but the mind is gone. So it was that horrible situation of do we wake him up and take the risk or do we just switch the machine off and let him, let nature take its course? So, I mean, obviously that, yeah, who, no one wants to be in that situation. Um, and I don't know why my brother decided to, uh say so yeah let's 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 give him a shot let's let's wake him up let's let's i, I believe in him i think he, i think he's still in there i want to yeah i want to wake him up uh yeah i don't know why but um thank god he did mm. this is such a dark question mate but sometimes do you ever wish that they would have just switched the machine off. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know what humans are like, we, you know, from day to day, we change our minds all the time. But majority of the time, I do think, you know, if I could go back, 
I'd probably say, yeah, let him go, let him go, because um, it's been it's been it's not been easy. It's not been easy, and it, and it doesn't get okay. Maybe it does get easier, but it's it's still uphill all, all the way. You know, it's tough. Um, so yeah, I think. If I could, I, I would say it's okay. It's okay. I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. I, I, at that point in my life, I had achieved all the things I wanted to achieve. So I was pretty content. And I think looking back, yeah, I would have, I probably would have said, yeah, just let him go. You know, um, yeah, maybe it's a bit harsh to say that, I guess, because. A lot of people, I would have left a lot of people behind um, and it would have caused a lot of pain for a lot of other people. So it's a really tough question. It's a tough question. How much does it play in your mind when you get shot in the arm, shot in the shoulder? Like, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but how much does it play in your mind when you get shot in the shoulder to thinking, if only I just took that little break? That one sticks with me, I'm not going to lie. That one always comes back to haunt me. Uh, yeah, but what can you do? You know, um, it's done now, and you know why you, you know why you made that decision at the time. Um, so I try, I try not to think about it. I try not to dwell on it. But yeah, I, I have dark days where I think about these kind of things and I think about it a lot but it doesn't change anything it just all you're doing is stewing on something that's out of it that's out your control it's, yeah it's done it's done so maybe maybe stewing on it for a little bit helps process it process it but ultimately you don't want to stew on it for too long because that's when you start getting downhill badly if you constantly thinking about it and constantly questioning yourself and just yeah you, you're just going to go downhill quite yeah. fast you know? not yourself sick but I think that's your character because I think when you know when you're slipping is to try and rein it back and go wait a minute if I'm thinking about Hold that shit to, yeah. I'm just going to yeah. fucking make myself worse but yeah. as you say you yeah. can't change for goal but you ended up in hospital for was it 12 weeks just staring at the ceiling yeah, 12 months so, sorry well, it was the four months in ITU, and then I got transferred to Salisbury up the road, and um, to a spinal unit. Oh, and I had to spend about yeah twelve months just lying there. I mean, there's not much rehab they can do on this sort of thing. Um, they can try and do physio and things like that, but you're kind of just lying in bed for that anyway. Um, so you're just waiting, lying there, uh, trying to figure out what to do next, you know. Um, and that started to then, that's when the psychological um, games started to really kick in, you know, what am I doing here? Is, it, is this worth it? Do I carry on? Is this? Is there any point in this? Is this what it's going to be like? Um, am I just going to stare at walls for the rest of my life? 
um, you know, I'm the type of person I need to be out there. I need to be doing stuff. I need to be living life. You know, I've got a lot of energy. I've got a lot to give. And this just feels like it's just completely captured me, you know, just that that lion in a cage, a zoo cage that's, yeah, lost that spark in its eye, um, something like that, you know. And I just thought, yeah, I started, then I started really struggling, really, really starting to struggle. Hmm. Um, And I think I don't. I don't think the hospital were equipped to deal with the psychological side of it. You know, throughout that period, I didn't have any psychological help or um, or anything. It was just wake up, physio, have breakfast, sit up. Now what? You know, um, try and pass the time. But there should have been somebody there for you to speak to because the PTSD yeah, yeah. must have gone fucking wild. Like the trauma from yeah. being a kid, being shot in the neck, being shot in the arm that you never ever dealt with either. There was nothing. There was nothing. Do you blame anyone for that? No, I'm not the blaming type. <clears throat> it's just the way it is. It's just the way it was. But that's fucking sad because there should have been people there. But that's another thing. Like I do a lot of homeless work back in Glasgow. The majority of the people on the streets are ex-military. This is people who fought for the country, but yet nobody yeah. will fight for them now. So yeah, yeah. nobody fucking cares. Mm. And that's what mm. makes the world even lonelier. Because there is people who genuinely mm. do care, but I just don't think people, as you say, too much pride gets in the way of seeking help or asking for help or trying to make changes. Like, to be yeah, lying in a bed yeah. and thinking, that did, did you never get offered it from anyone? No, for someone to speak nothing, to? Nothing. Not, not once. <clears throat> um... Yeah, not once was I offered any sort of counselling or therapy. Counselling, therapy, psychological help, um, just to deal with what I was going through. I mean, yeah, it was purely just like physio and then being left, you know, just left in a ward, um, which is terrible because I'd suffered such PTSD as well. In in the uh, the neuro ITU that I was in in Birmingham, because that ward was just horrendous. Because I think when I was there, about three or four people died uh, right in front of me. You know, the bays are right next to each other, and they had died overnight or during the you know the day, and the 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 oh, I forgot what they called, but the the mortuary guys would come in and prep prep the body and they'd have to bring in a box um, and it's only a curtain between you, you know. So you, you're there and you're seeing these bodies, this, this person, you know, being prepped for, you know, to go down to the mortuary and it's, it's pretty disturbing stuff, you it's know. Um, and I saw some horrible things and then... On top of that, I just kept thinking, oh, when's my turn? When's my turn? Because I got double pneumonia twice because I was so poorly and so run down. Um, yeah, it was this constant, am I, is I, am I next? When am I going to, you know, when's my turn? Um, and then seeing what happens to you and, 
oh man, it's horrendous. And so there was no support for any of that. Um, nothing like that. Uh, and then Yeah, I started losing it. I, I, yeah, I started losing it quite badly. Um, just not giving a fuck anymore, you know. Just waiting for the day. Um, can't see. You can't see the future. You can't see anything. It just looks dark. It just looks dark and scary and enough. Enough, like, yeah. Um, where's the, yeah, how do I get out of this? So it was pretty, um, pretty scary stuff, man. So even your sleeping stuff, do you get phantom pains or anything? Like sometimes you, you hear people tell their story and they've got no arms or no legs, and their legs feel itchy, their arms feel yeah. itchy. Like that you yeah, get pains. dreams with your pains, yeah. pains, or do you get mm. dreams that like you're still running? Like, do you get? Has that ever happened? I, I dream. <clears throat> I always dream I'm not paralyzed. How does that make you feel when you wake up? Reliving the whole thing all over again. You never had a dream. You've had a dream where you think, you know, it's real. That's it feels mm. so real. Um, and I'm running around and I'm, I'm doing shit and I'm, I don't know whatever the dream is, but, but I'm never paralyzed. You know, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. But then waking up, it's like this real. Like your stomach just drops, you know. Um, oh no! And then you've got to try and pick yourself up from that. Every day you got to try and pick yourself up and go. Here we go again. Okay, another day. Um, yeah, and it's hard. Um, you got to try and distract yourself from that and keep yourself busy and have goals and have aspirations otherwise like i say you start dwelling on those and you start to you start to realize what the trigger points are for you to start going down bad roads and that's that's once you you can identify those then you know okay i need to i need to focus on something else um yeah and uh you just get through it, you know. And I'm a firm believer that human beings are pretty damn resilient things. You know, we can adapt to things no matter how tough it gets. I think human beings are, are quite remarkable. We're quite remarkable in that sense. Yeah, we're amazing people. Like, the things that we can create, the things that we can do, like anything I believe is possible. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. And I always preach this shit until I take my last breath. Like when you're going through the struggles and how do you keep looking for the new technology or anything that could maybe because you look at people getting brain transplants and new eyesight and yeah, yeah. But do you still hold on to that belief that possibly in five years ten years whatever that there's a, a chance that things could help i do i do there's are times we just think what the fuck's the point um yeah, that's that's a tricky line and and this is some of the things i've told other people who have have recently had injuries you know hope is powerful hope's a super powerful thing and it will keep you going but it's also a dangerous thing you know um you can become quite obsessed with these sort of things you can become quite obsessed with 
trying to go and find the next best cure or the next latest technology. And I hate to say it, but the world, there's some bad people out there and they will take advantage of you because number one, they know you're vulnerable. Number two, and I mean vulnerable because they know you're desperate. Who wouldn't be desperate to get fixed? You know, um, people would do anything. And a lot of people, they get significant payouts or, you know, they um, end up with quite a significant amount of, of backing. And there's people out there that will take advantage of that. You know, you get cowboy surgeons, you get hoax on you know, stem cell research. And you get, if you don't do it through proper legitimate channels and, and proper FDA regulated stuff, you can, yeah, end up spending millions on treatments, stuff that isn't tested, isn't legit, and you will, yeah throw away your entire fortune, your entire nest egg or whatever you got to live a good life on on a on a hope and a prayer. So you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. But that's not to say you do need to keep hope in the back of your mind. Because like I said, hope's powerful. Hope is hope can drive you, you know. Um and nobody knows what's gonna happen in the future, you know. Technology is advancing at such an incredible rate yeah 10 years from now who knows who knows but you got to keep yourself grounded yeah just keep yourself grounded be open-minded is that trying not to build your hopes up too much? yeah just don't just just <clears throat> don't build your hopes up too much i keep it in the back of my mind you know i get things pop up here and there or friends showing me this or showing me that and i'm always like okay cool i'll go i'll have a look I'll have a look and I'll check it out and I'll have a look into it. But yeah, until it becomes definitively 100% guaranteed or, or, you know, it's from a legitimate source, you've just got to be a bit careful. Yeah. See, when you were in a coma, do you remember anything of that? Did you hear the doctors when they were in the room or? yeah i do remember a lot um but as as um you know i was saying i thought i was um captured so my mind was in this kind of mind frame of uh they could be doing anything to me man they could be uh harvesting my organs for all i know you know what i mean um or holding me for ransom, things like this. So I'm just getting these like snippets, these flashbacks of of just horrible things, you know. Um, but yeah, you, you're hearing sounds. You're hearing sounds. You're hearing like certain things are coming through. It's like a radio on a really bad frequency. You know, little things just get through every now and again. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I remember the music. Someone had, I think it was someone had brought in the radio and was playing music and stuff like that. Um, so there was always this constant music. But you're like, you kind of like going, why is there, why is there music playing? It's the most random thing. Or why is this, why is this song going through my head? 
you know, and it's only till afterwards you wake up and someone was like, oh, yeah, we, we had the radio and, you know, stuff like that. And you're like, oh, okay. And number one in the charts was Cheryl Cole or something, you know. and so, That would put you in a fucking yeah, coma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, oh, man. Keep well, me that, sleeping. That, uh, that is one of the things that, that was happening. I kept hearing Cheryl Cole. Cheryl Cole's one of her tracks going over and over and over again <laughs> in my head and I was like for fuck's sake why am I listening to this crap um, or wh where is this coming from you know and um, so it's all a very confusing time um, but there certainly weren't any bright lights or you know flashes um, nah there was nothing you know I didn't have some sort of premonition or some sort of spiritual moments or anything like that nah Nothing like that at all. Um, just, just like being in a void, just black void, um, and you're just flipping from like memory to memory to being back outside. You know, standing outside your front gates at one of your, you know, where you used to live, back in South Africa and stuff. Because I remember waking up, going, "Oh, was I, was I back?" Did someone take me back to South Africa? And they were like, no, mate. No, you didn't go back to South Africa. And I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Because I could have sworn, I, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. And and paranoia and things like that. Um, were you at peace when you were in the coma? Or did you feel as if you were trapped in between no, no, kind of two worlds? Or trapped just... in between two worlds, yes. 100% trapped in between two worlds. Something, it didn't feel right. Like, it didn't feel right at all. I was like... Something doesn't feel right here, um, but you don't know what it is or why it is. Nothing makes sense, you know, because you, you're moving from just one moment to another. It's not a continuous flow of memory. It's like one minute you're there, next minute you're there, next minute you're there. It's all just like your brain is just flicking through, you know, um, slides like a slideshow and you can be at one place for five minutes, next minute you can be in a place for hours. You know, you're walking around kind of like, what is going on, you know, something like that. But you know something is not right. Mm -hmm. Why do you think you made it through it, getting shot in the neck? And why do you think you've came through um, it? I think I was very physically fit and my body was able to cope with the stress and the strain on my heart and my organs. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, my brain wasn't getting as much blood flow as it should have. Um, but my heart was very strong that I could probably <clears throat> cope with the stress of, you know, getting the blood going through the system. Okay. And I think, and I was young and I was young, but then also, yeah, again, we go back to the training, we go back to the discipline, we go back to the stuff they instill in you, the core values of you are invincible, you know, you are, you're a class above everyone else. And that's, that's like, you know, you really believe it. You really believe it. And um, that kind of um, attitude can, get you far can really get you far in terms of determination you know? yeah. and i and i was i remember being adamant i will not die today 
you know, that was one of the main things that I will not die today. And that's for sure. It's not my time. I don't give it. I don't care. You can try and kick me, uh, drag me kicking and screaming. But yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I don't care who tells me it's my time, you know. Yeah, but I do. I, even speaking to you, man, I, you can see you're a cut above the rest. There's some, oh, mate, that's... Listen, there's yeah, something there that... I appreciate that. I mean, I don't know if it's just some sort of... They instill that in you in your mind, but yeah. But I, I don't know, man. I, I, maybe I think people are born with it. I, I, genuinely, I think maybe everybody has got it, but then you do see people quit and falter. I believe you... There's something special about you. Even when I spoke to you, even when we were driving down, I, I did say there's something very special man. about you. Oh, man, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, oh, you are fucking that. crazy, but I ain't going to lie to you. But it's, a, but it's a good thing, man. You've you've got something that not many... You just know when you meet people. I've interviewed nearly 300 people, and some good, some bad, but that's just the way it is. But yourself, man, you're, there's something special where you're clearly a fighter. And that being ingrained into you in the constant battles internally, externally, and to keep trying to push on and try to, like you say, live on hope but not want to build your hopes up. I believe if somebody can do something, I believe it can be yourself. Like you're clearly here for a reason. You're clearly still going for a reason, and that's the beautiful thing about life. It's a fucking mad journey that we yeah. just never know. Yeah. It is a beautiful journey. Be it is a beautiful journey. You're right, James. You know that is yeah. I, and and that's something to do with it as well. It's it's so special. I just don't want to give up on it. I don't want to give up on it, and I, I feel, you know, I've still got a lot to give. Maybe not in the same way. Um, obviously, you know, I can't physically protect people and help people physically, but there's other ways you can always help others. You can always be a force for good, and that's what I try and do, you know. Um and that's why I appreciate you actually bringing me on your podcast because I think I have a story that can help others, you know, and um, it'd be a shame to just keep it to the dark and let it die with me, you know. I think a lot of people can gain something from this and, and take something, something from it when they're in dark times and, and maybe it'll help them when they hit that wall or that moment where they think shit what do I do now I'm lost I don't know which way to turn what the fuck you know I've lost everything my entire career I've lost everything um, start again <laughs> yeah. start again build yourself up um, try different avenues pivot um, look look at different things there's always something there's always something yeah. and, and that's what I'm doing now you know I, I've I've gone back to school I went back to it to my education because obviously I couldn't do much physically so I went back to education um, and thought well I've still got my brain I think I'm quite a smart chap I think I am that's debatable <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah you know I'm, yeah so I went back to I went back to college and did my A-levels and then I went back to university I went to university not back to university um and I got a business degree, uh, which was really tough. Like trying to do a degree in the first place is hard. But try to do it when you're paralyzed and you can't move and you can't write notes and you can't, you know, I had to have a scribe. And every time I went into the lecture room, everyone would stare and, you know, it's 400, 
400 students staring at you and you have to be at the front of the bloody lecture hall. And yeah, it was tough. It was tough. But I stuck at it um, and I just wanted it. I wanted it. And so, yeah, I, I, and I got a first class, first class honors degree in business. Congratulations. Um, yeah, which was one of the, again, one of the highlights of my life, you know. So even though I lost everything, <clears throat> everything, my career, my physical ability, you know, I prided myself on my physical appearance, blah, 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 blah. Um, I still decided, no, I'm still alive, so there's got to be something. There's got to yeah. be something. And after I did that, I went and then started my own business. <clears throat> what did you do? So I... Um, I wanted to stay into the things that I was involved in as a youngster and as a kid and things that helped me get through tough times. And I, extreme sports was always one of my like go-tos whenever I was stressed or sh struggling. Um, so like surfing, dirt bikes, skating, going out there and just um, blowing off some steam. Um, so I decided to start uh, a clothing brand called Bravery. And it's called Bravery for obvious reasons. It's brand with a message. So, yeah, it's called Bravery, and it's about it's about empowering people to go out and face their fears and go and do things they love, appreciate life, um, and just to get involved. You know. Um, yeah, it's 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 it is an extreme sports brand. It's a clothing brand, and it's yeah, it's kind of a fashion brand. Um, but there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more layers to it. You know, I wanted to create a brand that has a meaning to it, a message. People could be proud to wear it. You know, where can people um, buy this? Uh, they can buy it on my <clears throat> website, www.bravery.org.uk. Um, or if they want more info, they can check us out on Instagram at bravery underscore UK. Uh, or we've got our Facebook page, Bravery Organization, which is which is cool. We're always doing updates and um, tells which events we're going to be at and what we're doing, uh, what's, what's up and coming, what products we've got coming out. But, yeah, it's just a really cool brand. Um, and it's there to try and inspire people. Um, and it, that's yeah it's about my story and, and other people's story and just getting people involved yeah but when you say you've lost a lot you've also you're gaining more as well like to be going through what you went through going to university getting degrees yeah that, that crazy clothing brand yeah. writing your book like you're fucking doing more than a lot more people out there who's got the ability to do stuff as well like some people think I've got it all together, I'm doing well, I'm flying in life, but I feel sad some days as well. I feel fucking lonely yeah, and scared, but yeah. even listening to your story and still pushing on, it makes me seem fucking selfish. It makes me seem, what the fuck am I moaning about? Like you're still succeeding, you're still achieving things, and that's what I say is you're a cut above the rest because it's proof in the pudding that it's only down to the individual if they want to quit or not. You ain't fucking quitting, even though you have your dark days. But yeah. I guarantee everybody has these dark days and people will be watching this thinking, fuck me. This will give people inspiration because it's given me inspiration to think, do you know what, man, there's levels to life. I know this anyway, but sometimes I like to feel sad because it, 
it's just it's a comfort. Sometimes sadness is a yeah, comfort. Yeah, and I get that. Yeah, <clears throat> my depression and my it's a safe zone for me um, sometimes um, because then you can just sort of let it all go and take the pressure off yourself. Yeah, so I do get that. It's um, yeah, uh, it, it's all relative, you know. Um, everyone's got their own struggles. You've got. You know, the stuff you're dealing with is no no worse than what I'm dealing with. People always say, Wow, you you know, you you what you're dealing with is fucking ten times worse than what I have to deal with. But you can't really compare the two, if you know what I mean. Um because I'm not in your shoes and you're not in my shoes. Um and it, and it, what you're going through to you is just as bad as what I'm going through, you know. Um, it doesn't maybe seem that way when you look at it on the outside, but you know what I mean. Yeah, to, the you know brain, what I mean? The brain, the brain can track you to how, so many Yeah, things. how it affects you <clears throat> yeah. can affect you just as badly mm -hmm. as it affects me, you know, and what's as, as just as badly as what's if my struggles are affecting me. So it's, it's almost, it's on the same level, you know. So people say to me, um, oh, yeah, I'm struggling with... Uh, I don't know, just just something that's really upsetting them or making them depressed. And then they say, yeah, but compared to you, Toby, it's fuck all. And I'm like, it's not. It's not. It's really not. It doesn't work like that. You know, that, that problem that you're dealing with is just as bad. You know, you've just got to find the same things that I've had to find to deal with it. Um, and that's really the hard part. Um, and I'm again, that's why I'm hoping this can, maybe I can pass on a little bit of knowledge and a bit of things that I've learned along the way that can help some other people, you know, yeah. no matter what situation they're in. See, when you're getting that bit of purpose again, when you thought there was no end, you probably thought, I don't want to fucking be here, I don't yeah, want to wake yeah, up yeah. anymore. Yeah, I came but to that. The decision to go to university and do a mm. clothing brand, mm. like how, how did it make you feel? Like, did you feel a bit happier again where you thought, okay, I've got some purpose, I've got some drive and I can keep going and prove yeah, what did. can be done. It did. Um, I mean, my character is what it is, but um, it did give me purpose and it, it made me feel good. The problem with me is it's very um, fleeting. It goes and then I need, I need to find the next thing, you know, to keep me going. Otherwise I'm scared. I'm going to, I'm scared and I'm happy. You know, I'm not afraid to say that, that I'm going to fall back into a bad place. So I'm always looking for the next challenge, the next challenge, because I'm worried if I stop, if I stop, I'm going to, I'm going to end up just not bothering to get out of bed in the morning, which I could quite happily do. Um, you know, I just fade away. I'm not saying I'd quite happily do that. I'm saying, you know, it's it's a, it's an option. You can I'll never I'll never it. take that option. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Hell no. Hell no. Um, but what I'm saying is there is always that option, and I'm scared. I don't I don't want to, yeah, be faced with that decision. So I, I just keep pushing myself and pushing myself. What's next? What's next? And and the problem with that is you don't take time to just appreciate what you have achieved, and how far you've come. So I need reminding of that every now and again, you know. Toby, just just 
just stop for a second, you know. Yeah, and to appreciate, just appreciate, you know, a little bit. Even if it's, it doesn't have to be for long, just appreciate one or two things, yeah. you know. But do you feel as if when you're achieving things, it kind of numbs your pain? Yeah, it numbs it completely um, because then I feel like, Oh, I'm competing with the rest. I'm not. A, I'm not a. I'm not disabled. I'm not. I'm not different. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm just as good as everyone else. Because a lot of the times I feel because I'm disabled. I feel like I'm subhuman or I'm like in a different class of society. I'm one of. You know, oh, I'm never. Yeah, you're disabled. You. Um, yeah, you're just different, you know, you're uh, almost, you, you feel sub, not sub, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, like less of a human being some of the times, you know, so you overcompensate, maybe that's what I, what I do a lot of the time, I guess I overcompensate by trying to overachieve so that I can feel normal. Yeah. Yeah. But even thinking that it still works for you and you still are achieving. Like how, yeah, it how does hard work does it, Toby, though, when you're going to universities as you're you're out and about and people are looking at you in your wheelchair? It's hard. It's hard. It's it's extremely hard. Um it's, it's, it is hard and sometimes I don't want to go out. I wanna stay inside. I don't wanna I don't wanna Yeah. It's really hard to be in society and, and that never gets easier. I thought it would, but it doesn't. It just doesn't get any easier. You just have to, I guess you just have to face it. It's easier said than done, I know, but you do have to face it. And one of the tricks I learned is to tell myself, Toby, you're not that special. People don't. People are going about their own lives, you know. People aren't just waiting for you to step out your door so they can stare at you and gawk at you, you know. People are busy when you, you know, people doing their own things. Um, yeah, people are just nosy bastards and curious. I yeah, would be the yeah, same. I, wonder, like, I wonder what Or they might go, oh, yeah, oh, shit, check that out. Oh, <clears> check <throat> that guy out. Wow, he's actually, jeez, he's out and about. Um, but that lasts for what, you know. And then they go off and do their own thing. They're not sitting there, you know, um, obsessing about you and, and completely, um, you know, the sole focus isn't on you. There isn't a spotlight shining on you all the time, you know. People are getting on with their own lives and doing their own things. Stop thinking it's, it's, stop thinking everyone is staring at you and stop thinking everyone is gawking at you because most of the time they're not. Most of the time they're worried about, most of the time they're worried about their kids or running in the road or, yeah. you know. They're Battling doing, their own fucking demons. Yeah, yeah. People just, people yeah, watch exactly, anyway. Exactly, exactly. Just... Um, so, yeah, you do get the one occasional person who will be a bit bang out of order or whatever, but fuck them. Yeah, exactly, yeah, mate, yeah. fuck them. No, you got a problem, come and say it to my face. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's your daily routine like? From the, the day, the, from the, the um, minute you get up to going to sleep at night. Yeah, it's it's pretty full on. You know, um, I like to get up early um, and start my day 
fresh, good, um, get into a good routine. Um, and these things will help because in this situation, if you don't, again, you can fall into bad traps or bad routines or bad habits. So I like to get up, uh, freshen up, have a good breakfast. Um, I try and do some physio, uh, you know, that can involve passive movements, stretches, um, I've got this thing called Bionis, which is like electronic stimulation, which try and stimulates my muscles. It almost just makes them cramp so that to stop atrophy, the muscles completely just wasting away. Um, so yeah, I try and do as much normal stuff as I can, like any normal person. Get up, you know, freshen up, uh, go and do some exercise, have a healthy breakfast. And then plan my day, plan my day out, what I'm going to do, write it down. Um, obviously not me, but someone. Um, and then just try and tick through my to-do list. Uh, I always take time out to appreciate the little things um, and try and remind myself what's important. I then... Uh, yeah, I just really try and get to work and um, fulfill my day and try and at least do one or two good things with my day. By the end of the day, I, uh, I'm pretty exhausted, I'll be honest. Uh, I do push myself quite hard, um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And then I like to spend some time with my partner. You know, she's she's an amazing woman and I do need to give her a shout out. You know, she's my my partner is amazing. She, my fiance, she'd kill me for saying a <laughs> partner. She, you know, my fiance, um, lovely lady. And she's so patient and understanding. And it just reinstalls that. You know, it reminds me that people are, there's some good people out there, you know, some really lovely people out there. Uh, and restores my faith in human beings a little bit um, because a lot of my pastors, yeah, human beings have really let me down. Um, so, yeah, it um, restores my faith in human beings. So there's some good people out there, man. How did you meet? Um, well, it's a bit of a long story. Uh she used to work for me and then she left because she wanted to pursue a different career and do different things. And this is after I was injured. Um, and we weren't together. We just um, uh, worked together. And then, yeah, she went off to do her own career. But we, we just stayed in touch. And I... I knew I fancied her for, you know, <laughs> you know I was like, yeah, damn, this, um, but, you know, I was quite, uh, were you nervous? Yeah, I was nervous, man. I was like, cause, I, you know, the demons, I was like, is she really going to like someone in a wheelchair? You know, look at me, you know, that kind of thing. Um, who'd want to be with me and my life and 
but um i just decided to i just decided to go for it and um yeah i just asked her out um and said would you like what was an asked her out but yeah i just said would you like to come around for dinner and just me and you you know and and it kind of went from there and we just built a relationship on a relationship but it was cool because we were kind of friends before and um and then it just got a bit more serious and uh developed from there yeah um and it's awesome yeah i'm really i'm really glad and now we're we're engaged and congratulations which is again i'm just building on my life you know building uh, yeah building on my life which i thought at at one point um yeah i thought i had nothing yeah so it, it just goes to show you know. it's fucking unbelievable mate honestly like to get a degree to clothing brands to books to then it, getting a fiance that like, it's un- honestly I'm, I'm there's not many times i'm lost for words man but it's it's, it's so fucking great that what can be done like what can be because done? i can't hold a relationship past three months <laughs> you know what i mean yeah you're sitting yeah, there yeah. telling me you've got all these problems and these issues but you still push through it and still are achieving to then getting a fiance to then being in universities and and achieving so much man like it's fucking unbelievable and for people watching this man like this will give a lot of people a kick up the ass that they need and just go, do you know what, man? Like, things can be done just by the right changing that mindset. Listen, it's not easy, but you, it can be done. Pushing through that pain barrier, pushing through that self-doubt and negativity and just keep pushing through and pushing through and just one more day staying on the path and eventually you get your goals and then when you achieve those goals, you just go for bigger ones. See, uh, you've got it right, yeah, exactly. You've just summed it up, you know really nicely you know everything i've just said you've quite nicely summed it up and obviously you've got you know you've got it right um you must do i know everyone's got their problems but yeah even by doing podcast and and telling people stories i think that's awesome i think what you do is awesome you know you're you're putting a platform out there that people can tell their stories. So what you're doing is, it's a good thing. It's a good thing, man. So, yeah. yeah. The self-doubt's a mad thing, because like, you it just is. think, what the fuck? It, but it's all bullshit. It's fake. It, yeah. You start criticising yourself, and and then you think, and then you go, wait a minute, man. Like, remember where you started. Remember what you're doing now. Like, stop with the fucking negativity. Stop with it. It's like self-loving. Yeah. Like, feeling sorry for yourself yeah, and yeah. just... Try to make yourself feel a bit better, mm. but again, your prime example of what can be done. Like, where do you go from here then? What's the plans for the future? For me, well, <clears throat> I mean, I really want to build on this brand. I think, I think there's not many brands out there. Bravery is different, um, so I'd like to continue on with that. But um, I've got some sneaky, sneaky things in the pipeline. Good. You know, I. <laughs> I I like to learn. I like to um, push myself. So, yeah, I might go back to education, um, try and learn something new, something different. Um, So that's that's really where I am. Um, And then from here, you know, I'd like to just spend more time with, with the people I love, you know that's important that's important but um 
other than that, I'm, I'm just cracking on each day and we'll see, we'll see what's around the corner. Yeah. I honestly don't know, <laughs> which is yeah. quite exciting to be fair. And, you know, if you think about it like that, you never know what's around the corner. Yeah. So, that's, that's the beautiful thing about life. It's as a, as a little painful journey that we just yeah, fucking yeah. never know. Yeah. Yeah. You never, never know. know. You never know where things are going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, In your book. Yeah. Never will I dial it. How was it writing this? How was it putting um, this together? You know, Writing that book was actually quite a journey in itself. I um, I had some highs and lows in that one. I um, there were some emotional points in there about friends of mine who have died, um, and there's some really low points that I didn't really want to revisit. Um, I ended up, you know, because I didn't get a lot of help. When I was first in giant I talk about it in the book. I, I ended up at a, um, you know, a hospital for people with with these sort of you know severe depression and things like that. Uh, and and that was the lowest point of my life. And I talk about that and how I got through that when I when I wanted to end my life because I did get to the point where I wanted to end my end my life and I I wanted to. Um, yeah, yeah, I kind of feel embarrassed to say it now, but, um, yeah, I'd gotten to a point where I thought, you know, I, I think it's, it's better if I just call it quits. Um, and I started really exploring my options to do it. Um, and I talk about that and then I talk about how I came out the other side, um, and, and built, yeah, built my life. Is that but, talking Switzerland and stuff? Um, do you know what? I don't know. I suppose it's all right for me to say this, but um, it it's not Switzerland. I, I, I've with my medical injury, I fall into a weird category. Uh, you know how you've heard about people who can refuse medical treatment. So if you have cancer, for instance, you can refuse mm-hmm. chemo, or you can refuse. You know, I think like there's some religions where they can refuse certain types, you know, all kinds of medication. Um, and because I'm on a ventilator, permanently ventilated, that keeps me alive. Without this ventilator, I can't breathe at all. Um, so I started investigating a little bit and there's a bit of a loophole here where I have the right to refuse medical treatment and this ventilator is classed as medical treatment and because it's keeping me alive there's there's an option where I can I can have it um well I can ask to have it switched off um and obviously yeah I wouldn't yeah then I would pass away or die yeah so so there is actually there is that option for me, which makes it more realistic. Um, and I started really exploring it, you know, um, and getting, I got things, I started getting things in place. Um, you know, I started putting my affairs in order. And that's how low it got for me at one point. But um, yeah, I turned it all around. Um, and I got the help I needed actually. Um, and I still, I still get the help I need now. Not again. I'm 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 very open to say I, I do get a lot of 
uh, help from professionals. Um, I see I see a therapist on a weekly basis, um, and yeah, we chat. You know, it's it's okay for guys to talk about stuff like this. You know, which is another reason why I wanted to come on this podcast and talk, talk. You know, get people talking. It's good for the soul. How close do you think you were of just switching the machine off? Very close. Very close. Yeah, I had um, I had gotten a, uh, my neurosurgeon um, who's willing to do it. I had gone through all the legal hoops. Um, yeah, uh, I had I got all the psychiatric reports to say that I wasn't depressed or clinically insane or um, clinically not in the right frame of mind. Um, so everything was in order. All I had to do was, is all I had to do was basically say the word. Uh, yeah. What stopped you? I, I, I just thought I'd, uh, I got to a place where, Do you know what it was? It was my psychiatrist at the time just said, Tobes, I want you to do me one favor. One favor, just write down three things that you think define you and that you think you can offer the world. And just write them on a big piece of paper. And um, and, he, and he walked away and, and I, was in the, I was in my room in, the, in, in this hospital and it took me a while to think about it, and I really had to think about it hard. And when I and once I had figured it out, and I wrote, well, I didn't write them down. I got someone to write them down on a, you know, big a a big a one piece of paper, piece of paper, and I just stared at them for hours and hours and hours. I realized it just started dawning on me slowly that. I still, yeah, I do have something to give, you know. And then after that, you know, a lot of, a lot of help and a lot of talking and a lot of therapy, I, I realized, you know, I can still, yeah, I can still, I don't know, put my stamp on the world, you know, somehow. And it was that, really. But it wasn't just one moment. It kind of built from there, you know. Yeah. Well, thankfully, you're still here, brother. You're still breathing. You're still doing your thing. And yeah. In life, like, we all go to many dark places and sometimes we all ask the question, why me? But in life, you're, some people are dark, uh, dealt the darkest cards, but sometimes it's for the people who actually are strong enough to play them. You're clearly yeah. that guy. I see you in universities and schools and doing motivational talks and... I see you changing so many lives. I believe you're that man to do that because your story today has blown me away. So in depth, like to still be here and still kicking on and still try to achieve. Listen, we all have our fucking battles. No matter if you're sitting in a wheelchair or sitting in a private plane, like people struggle, people battle, people have darkness, people are just scared of life. People are scared to speak out. People are scared to take risks and change. But your prime example that if you really keep going, that like life can you you see us overlining and. And that's what it's all about. It's just seeing that those clouds disappear and to then yeah. push on that. For anybody that's watching, Toby, that's maybe struggling, what advice would you have for them? 
You know, life's a journey. It's not meant to be a straight line. It's really not. Um, and if it was a straight line, it would be fucking boring. The highs and lows, that is life, you know. Um, it's just about recognising the highs, appreciating them. And when you're in the lows and then you, when you're really down, it's about knowing that it won't last, you know. Things will come back up. It will turn. It will turn. That is life. It's designed that way. Uh, and... Those tough times just make you a stronger person. That, yeah, I truly believe that. Those those bad times just make you a stronger person. You can learn from it and take it forward in life and um, enjoy the enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey. Yeah, listen, I don't say that shit lightly. I've spoke to a lot of people around this world and a lot of inspirational people, but by far you're up there with the, the most inspirational story I've ever heard, but you should be proud for everything you're achieving, for everything that you're doing, and not just try to keep helping yourself to be better, but helping others. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, would you like to finish up on anything? I mean, I'd just like to say thanks for letting me come on this, on your podcast. It's a fantastic podcast, and, um, yeah, it's given me the opportunity to tell my story, which is great, and... So yeah, you know, thank you so much, James. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but really, yeah, that's that's really it. Um, I just, I just hope people find something from this and um, or get something or gain something from this. So, um, yeah. So just before we finish up, you know the guy Nims who done the fourteen peaks. Yeah, who was yeah, on the yeah, Netflix yeah. documentary. Yeah, How right. do you know him? Uh, so <clears throat> Nims, jeez. We go way back. Um, I met Nims when, on one of my pre-selection for for UKSF, we were we were chucked in the same batch together. It was only about six or seven of us, but um, that was when I first met him. No, no, I'm lying, totally lying. The first time I met Nims was on my first tour of Afghan um, with the Marines, and we were out in this uh, FOB base, Ford Art Ford Operating Base, and we had nothing, so they sent in a group of Gurkha engineers, uh, and Nims just happened to be one of these Gurkha engineers who, who turned up at, at our base and um, started building us. Him and his, you know, his 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 troops started building us like bays and and sentry posts and stuff like that, which was the first time I met him, and uh, they're a crazy bunch. Awesome bunch. Anyway, he went down to the local market and uh, managed to uh, barter for a goat. And they came back and they all made us, um, and this is the first time we had had proper food in probably three, four months. They made us this massive goat, goat shoe. And um, we all sat around that night and just chatted. Anyway, that was the first time I'd met Nims. Uh, and then, and then I didn't see him for a while until I turned up on my briefing course, one of my briefing courses for selection and true as God, he was in my little group of, you know, five or six guys. And I was like, Hey, Nims, you know, yeah. Do you remember me? You know, Fob, Fob Inkerman out in Afghan. He was like, Oh, no ways. And yeah, we paired up and we were on our uh, sort of night navigation exercises together and just became really good mates uh really good mates and it turns out yeah we both we both passed and we both went on and um did our careers and we you know 
and went on from there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so just crazy, crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. His documentary is unbelievable. Like he yeah, climbed the 14 guy. highest peaks on the planet. The record was eight years and he'd done it in seven months. Like, do you think that's where that extra bit of push, do you think he does that stuff as well to, again, numb the pain or balance out whatever trauma he's got? Or do you just think he's just that guy enjoys it as well? I think, I think he's got... A, a real zest for life like he he really wants to live life to the max you mm -hmm. know? and and for him that's pushing himself to the extreme yeah to, to push himself and then yeah just go somewhere where no one's gone before and do stuff that no that no one's done done before um and believe me if i if i wasn't paralyzed you know Damn, I would have loved to have done it with him, you know. But um, I've got my own journey and my own, uh, I've got my own peaks to climb, you, you know. know. Um, and it's a very different, but um, it still takes a tremendous amount of um, determination and strength. And, um, but yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a great guy. He really is. Yeah, as the same as yourself. But again, brother, listen, for coming on the day and telling your story, it's been unbelievable. A lot of people's going to get a lot of help from this and a lot of inspiration. I'm going to plug your businesses, your oh, book, all in the descriptions, Thanks, all in my social media. Like, we're going to be friends for life, brother. Like, I really hope so, yeah. man. And, and I don't say that because I keep my inner circle quite close. Same, uh, mate. No cunt gets in my so, circle, yeah. bro. So, yeah. Uh, you can you can thank yourself, mm -hmm. grateful, bro. <laughs> awesome. But listen, for coming awesome. on, listen, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I wish you nothing but success for the future, bigger goals, bigger plans, your wedding as well. But God bless you, brother, and take care. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.